3: today's episode of the sixers beat rich and i dive into the sixers 131 to 111 game one victory over the toronto raptors talking about what surprised us what the sixers did well what we expect the raptors to do better in game two and where the series will go from here enjoy the podcast All right, welcome everybody. This is Derek Bodner, joined by Rich Hoffman on the Sixers beat, part of the Athletics Podcast Network. A little easier, a lot easier than expected in the one thirty-one to one eleven win that the Sixers had in Game One to take a one to nothing series lead. How you doing, Rich?
1: I'm doing fine, man. What was that sigh for? That
3: was a nice performance. (laughs) Um, honestly, the sigh was one of my cat was losing its mind. But anyway, anyway. Uh, No, that was a very good performance, much easier than expected. Uh, The Sixers really took control of that game in the first half. I think they had, well, like an 18-point lead there at the break, Uh, and Toronto never, outside of maybe a brief stretch there in the third quarter, Toronto really never made a substantial run, and even when they did make that run, uh, the Sixers responded immediately with a Tyrese Maxey and James Harden show. All four of the Sixers' core players ended up with 19-plus points, Led by Tyrese Maxey, setting a playoff career-high 38 on 14 for 21 shooting. It was always going to be that he was going to set a career-high because he's his previous career-high was 16. He was a sort of revelation last year in, uh, in Game 6 of that Hawks series. Much more substantial role, but he was fantastic. But good all-around performance from everyone. Um, and I think we'll talk a lot about Joel Embiid. He shot just 5 for 15, but controlled the game. Tobias Harris not a super high usage player at this stage in his Sixers career, but was supremely efficient. And James Harden, who shot, you know, two for 10 from two point range, but played pretty (laughs) much perfect outside of that. Yeah. Real good performances across the board uh, against a Toronto defense that I thought was surprisingly lackluster. Where do you want to start?
1: Hmm. There's a lot of places to start. By the way, I had a joke for you. You
3: know who let out a big sigh yesterday?
1: Must sigh. But uh <laughs> yeah. Boop. Um, no, the Sixers just killed them. That's why
3: we're a basketball analysis podcast and not a comedy podcast.
1: I just saw all the tweets about the the maxi trade, though. It was on the top of my mind. The The non-maxi trade that he might have been able to make last year. Yeah, that's... Uh, I guess where, where I would start is just the Sixers were awesome yesterday. And, you know, we talked about all of these key areas that we were scared or we were I mean not scared we were pointing at as like this is how they lose a series they lose a series because they get killed in transition they lose a series specifically because they get killed on the glass Uh, they lose a series if they start turning over the ball and I thought just overall as a team a lot of really great performances but it was just a super clean game in all of those areas and You know, I've been calling it a clean game for a long time. It was better than that because they beat the Raptors in all those areas, which if you beat the Raptors in all those areas, you should not. If you do that in any single game in this series, you win that game. Yep. Like the Raptors played pretty well offensively in the half court. And because the Sixers won those areas, it didn't even matter. Yeah.
3: That might be the best shooting game for both teams throughout the course of the series. Raptors shot 12 for 30 for three. Not a lot of volume, but they made their shots. Sixers shot 16 for 32. Neither team might shoot those percentages again in that, that series. But it was, like you said, Toronto's not going to execute that well in the half court. That's probably their high watermark. If Toronto's going to win games in this series and win this series, they have to win on the margins. They have to get more shots. Well, the Sixers ended up with more shots and with more free throw attempts in that game. Sixers ended up with, what, 10 offensive rebounds to seven, and a lot of those seven for the Raptors came pretty late. Uh, I think they were pretty deep into the third quarter and still only had two. The Sixers ended up with just four turnovers on the night, and quite frankly, one of them was a 24-second shot clock right at the end. Like, they had three turnovers for most of the game, and if you're going to beat the Sixers, specifically of Toronto, who doesn't have that many pathways, uh, you know, coming into the series, we both ended up picking the Sixers, uh, and it was a lot of, well, yeah, the Raptors, you know, they might get the Sixers to turn the ball over, they might win the offensive glass, but in a half-court game, the Sixers should be able to dominate Well, the Sixers kept it to a half-court game from Toronto's perspective. They didn't give Toronto transition points. Sixers did get out in a break, especially early, quite well. And they limited Toronto to to really one look at the basket. And even despite Toronto shooting above their capability, quite frankly, uh, the Sixers controlled that game the entire way. Toronto just has to be a lot better. And the Sixers have to make a lot more mistakes if Toronto's going to have a chance. And neither of those happened. So with all those
1: things you mentioned, I'm a little on the fence because I told you when we were sitting next to each other at the game yesterday, I've seen plenty of these Mm -hmm. series where the first game is almost too easy for the opponent, right? Or for one team. And the opponent kind of surprises them in the second game of the series. Here's one example that I think is a perfect one. The Sixers Toronto series in 2019, the Sixers... I actually looked at that. They only lost by 13 in that game. They got freaking killed. Like Siakam just destroyed Jimmy Butler and Brett made the quick adjustment to put Embiid on Siakam and that completely switched it. Sixers grind out a game two where Jimmy was awesome down the stretch. And then it's a completely different series. I kind of wonder if it's that or look, there were a lot of bad signs for Toronto yesterday. I, the Sixers killing them in all of those aspects. Like just Embiid getting out in transition in the way he did, and just it really felt like Joel, despite being an MVP type of player all year, he was saving some energy for the boards and defense yeah. for this game. And he was, you know, like you said, he shot five fifteen. I thought he was pretty awesome. Yeah, for the most part. No, because all around, yeah, the shooting was is
3: some of the one of the best games he's played. I mean, not as a scorer, but as an all around player, impacting the game in you know every different facet. Oh uh, that was as good as he plays. Like defensively that is a version of Joel Embiid that we saw before he became a super high usage league leading scorer.
1: Active switching out on people on the glass. But yeah, like early in that game he just got out and transition and got you know the Raptors we we were wondering who they were going to start. So they start super small. They s- start their five best guys. And he said, "All right, that's not acceptable. I'm going to kill you on the offensive glass and despite the fact the Sixers missed a lot of good looks early in the game he was a beast and the the other aspect of this too which is what I wrote about today you know we we talked about like the Toronto all the helping they do all the crazy extra bodies they throw at you in the lane And and Harden absolutely dissected that the entire game I mean we talked about it they had three turnovers and as a team those guys had one turnover together like that's the thing. And Bede said it after the game. He's like, I don't think I've ever had zero turnovers yeah. against the Raptors before. He actually had one time in that aforementioned game one from 2019 that I mentioned. But this is a totally different thing. He's got the ball in his hands way more. And the Sixers had a 150 offensive rating when they left the the starters left the game. Like yeah. look, some of that is Maxi is, you know, he's shooting fires out of his butt, but I come on. I mean, they their execution was just spectacular on the offensive end. And I so I mentioned the, the idea that maybe Toronto comes back and plays a better game, too, and I think they are going to. But in terms of just optimism for a Sixers series win, we've seen the Sixers execute against this defense for stretches in those two previous games. The first quarter of that game in Philly, and frankly the whole game in Toronto, they executed really well, scored a bunch of points. That was that type of performance for the entire game. You wonder if they have figured a few things out here.
3: Yeah, it was. I mean, it was it was just great to see because Toronto just doesn't have very many ways to beat you. And if if they're going to control the game like that, then Toronto really doesn't have much of a chance. I did think, you know, going back and rewatching it, Toronto, that was maybe the least impressive defensive performance I've seen from Toronto in quite a while. And, you know, there's sort of like two different conversations. There's well, the Sixers dissected it well, which they did. But I didn't think that Toronto really executed all that well either. Like, they can both sort of be true. And they just had a lot of doubles where they seemed hesitant, where they seemed caught in the middle, unsure of what to do, or just, quite frankly, making the wrong decisions. We talked about a backdoor cut, or not a backdoor cut, but just a cut that Tobias Harris made early in the game that Joel found him on. And it's not even like they double-teamed there or they sent help. Like, Tobias's man just lost him for a minute and Embiid found him and credit the Sixers for cutting and it becomes harder to double when you do cut decisively early in the shot clock. But like just a lot of, you know, Joel Embiid at the nail getting a face up and they just, Tobias Harris's man is glued to him in the corner. And it's like, you can help off Tobias in that one. You can't give Joel an easy layup against Precious Achua. Uh, or they'd send, you know, triple teams James Harden's way. And it's like, you can't send four players in the box against James Harden. Like he's going to find that. Let him try to beat you. And they just made so many decisions where it's like, they don't seem very crisp in their decision-making right now or very confident in what they want to do game plan wise. And that's not something, you know, I expect Toronto to have trouble because they have to double and triple team. Joel Embiid in the half court because they can't defend him one-on-one at all. And if you send help that consistently, it's tough to execute all the time, but their execution was just, I thought poor from a team perspective as well. And that's something I don't expect to, I expect it to be more difficult. And I look, I, Picked the Sixers in large part because I thought Joel Embiid would get, was going to figure it out. I think it's going to be a little more difficult, and they're going to make life a little bit tougher for him going forward because that was just that was hashtag too easy.
1: Yep, and I agree with you. I think it is going to be tougher. I think Nurse is going to adjust. Like one of the adjustments is, hey, when Harden drives, stop helping with they, an they, extra it blew guy. My
3: mind, like they just they they. they, they they defended him like he was twenty seventeen, James Harden. He's like, he's way too smart to give him the strong side corner it's crazy. to make a pass to. And he wasn't even getting by his man. It was like they had a you know, they were playing a little drop coverage and James Harden wasn't getting anywhere. And he they still sent two or three or four people out of his way. And it's like James Harden's a really good passer. What are you doing? Man, did
1: one. he li- did he light them up with his passing? Yeah, so that's one of the adjustments that they'll make. But I will say on the other hand though, we we mentioned this in the preview pod they they do play aggressive and reckless is probably the wrong word, but
3: they seemed reckless last night.
1: Well, yeah, and that's the thing, you know. If you're gonna play that aggressive, there is some downside to it because guess what? Everybody would do it if if there wasn't actually a downside. And the Sixers they picked on those guys, and it's you know I see a lot of the discourse is like, oh man, Maxi and Harris aren't going to play that way again, and like yeah, Tyrese isn't gonna score 38 points again, but. I thought a lot of his points were the direct result of Embiid and Harden seeing an an or an inordinate amount. I can't even talk. About, <laughs> an inordinate amount of a attention. A lot.
3: They, they received a lot of attention. We'll simplify the word for
1: you. Yeah. Okay. Well, if you give the ball to Tobias and Maxi on the weak side with an advantage, they're going to eat. I, you know, I, I think they're they're easy buckets to be had. And I thought the Sixers, you know, give Doc credit. He was well prepared for that last night. You know, we hear. About a lot of the a lot of the downsides of what he's going to do, but I, I just thought they they were very organized on the offensive end last night, and they they sliced and diced him.
3: Yeah, one hundred. They had a they had a purpose to what they were doing. They executed it well. They were prepared for everything Toronto threw at them. My only comment, like you, you talk about the difference between recklessness and aggressive, that seemed like Charlotte Hornet level aggressiveness, not like Toronto. <laughs> oh, level. like it, it just ooh. they didn't have a purpose to their rotations the way they normally do, and a good team can attack and not that the Sixers won't get good looks against even a good team being aggressive but like the risk reward there was just so far out of whack that it was uh, it was stunning it was pretty stunning look I mean I think they're only like
1: the number 10 defense in the league here
3: right? Let, oh, that's they're not, not perfect for sure especially let's when they not go pretend there, but, this is perfect and part of the problem was and we talked about this in the preview pod too Fred Van Vliet, especially with his injury like Tyrese Maxey had a huge advantage almost the entire night and even when they you know Sixers ran a decent amount of small, small pick and roll with Harden and Maxie and Harden was able to get by Van Fleet as well. Like they, that's a, a problem for Toronto right now um, because he does not look like that week off brought him back to what he was earlier in the season. The Sixers he played do pretty have,
1: well offensively. He did. But, he did.
3: But defensively, yeah. I thought Maxi. uh, and look, Maxie is as fast with the ball in the sand as pretty much anyone in the league. Oof. And especially when he has a night where he's making every shot on the perimeter, including 30 footers, um, which was incredible. Van Vliet has no chance, but I think that's going to be a matchup. Like, I expect Tyrese Smacks to have a real good series.
0: Real good. All
3: right, so let, not 38 qu- at night, but real good.
2: Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7, U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day, or night. Yep, you heard that right
1: courtside seats to an NBA game and more head over to dot slash courtside to learn more. Let's quickly run down the individuals. So we, we touched a little bit on Embiid's passing, but yeah, I, I just thought it, it was kind of like, I remember in the, in the old magic bird documentary, they talk about how, you know, Ke- I think Kevin McHale was like, yeah, both those guys, they take 12 shots a game and they'd be the best player on the floor by a mile. I'm not sure Joel was the best player on the floor by a mile last night. But he went five for 15, and he was awesome. I thought in every one of the other areas, he just his activity level was at another level. And you could see this is why he takes off first halves during the regular season, and he jokes about it. Because he wants to be fresh for the playoffs. And hopefully he can keep up that level of activity. But yeah, it it felt a lot like an early career Joel Embiid game where, yeah, the shooting wasn't there but he did everything else so well that eh, who cares? He was one of he's if not the best player on the floor, one of the two or three best players on the floor.
3: An early career Joel Embiid game, but where he's seeing it like a 28 year old.
1: Yes, exactly. That's a huge
3: difference. No, I mean, this is a game even against Toronto, who he has a huge mismatch against and who I thought their rotations weren't great last night, weren't even really good, probably poor. He does not end that game with, you know, zero turnovers in 2017. Um, He has developed so much as, a passer and he spent you know when he he did speak in the week leading up to the game you know he, he spoke a lot about i don't need to score 40 i don't need to you know i need to trust my teammates and look it's easy to trust your teammates when they're shooting 50 percent from three but a big part of why they're shooting 50 percent from three is because they were wide the fuck open he did a real good job of not forcing really any well i don't want to say that because he had a couple of wild drives to the, the rim uh, a couple of Layup. Yeah, He had but, a
1: couple of mistakes. Yeah, yeah,
3: but like outside of that, outside of two shots that I think I'm really thinking about, um, he did not force a whole lot when he chose to attack. It was smart. Uh, and he's more important than any of that. When he chose to swing the ball and move the ball, it was quick and early in the rotation so that Toronto didn't really have a chance to recover. Um, and if they are going to spe- send that much attention, you know, I thought they did a pretty bad job of disguising where their double teams are coming from. And that's usually one thing Nick Nurse is real good at.
1: A lot of from the baseline, like yeah. very long.
3: Long yeah, rotations where he could see it coming from. Yeah. Way easy to see. Yeah. Yep. Um, also, with small guys, too. Yeah. With Van Vliet a lot. It's like, all right, well, that's going <laughs> right. to worry him. Um But I thought because he was able to diagnose that quickly and move it quickly, Toronto, which, they never really seemed set. And the combination of Embiid's passing and also the Sixers getting into a lot of early offense, um, Toronto's defense just never seemed normal.
1: Yep. And to me, the the really positive sign for the Sixers, though, is that he didn't need to score 40. And I wonder, you know, w- was that Toronto just trying to sell out and take him out of the game? Because if they make some adjustments on Maxi and Harris, all right, maybe he will score 40. And, yeah. you know, I, I certainly think he has a big scoring game in him. I mean, this the- goes
3: back to, like, watching it, it seemed like they played a lot the same way. That, that one game where they won, like, 93-88, and mm-hmm. the Sixers shot, like, 7 for 30 from 3. Like, it almost seemed like they were banking on a Sixers shooting like that from three. And when that didn't happen, Sixers steamrolled them.
1: And the Sixers shot an unbelievable percentage from three. They will not shoot that high the rest of the series. Those were awesome looks, though, man. Yeah. They're, they're going to shoot a high percentage if they get those shots. Like, Danny Green couldn't buy one last night either, too. It, it honestly could have been worse. All right. So that's Embiid. Harden, we talked about, yeah, just, you know, what would you think of his pop? What would you think of his his athleticism?
3: I mean, look, early in the game, he had one transition push where I'm thinking where he looked pretty okay.
1: Mm-hmm.
3: He wasn't getting by guys off. Like, it's so weird. So he shot two for 10 from two point range. And I thought a lot of that you could go back to, well, there's not a lot of lift. There's not a lot of burst. I could get concerned by that. Well, I swear to God, he used to have touch on a floater and that's just gone. And it would be great if he could find that again somewhere.
1: He's but got no touch on a lefty layout. It's I'll tell you that insane. Right it's, it's crazy. Insane.
3: But I thought everything outside of that, he was almost flawless. And to his credit, outside of a couple drives, I don't think he really forced it all that much. And if he is going to, if they're going to send that much attention to him, like his passing game was virtually flawless, including one spectacular um, overhead bounce pass and transition, which I joked on Twitter, only two people. I said 20 years, it probably should have been 15 because you don't want to include Iverson in that. But only two people in the last 15 years would attempt that pass, and it's Andre Drummond. And James Harden, and it looks a little bit better when James Harden is doing it. Um <laughs> his passing was incredible. His he even had a couple of pretty good defensive plays mixed in there. Uh he made his outside shots. He used he hit his step back, he used his step back to lull defenders asleep and and found people in the corner with that. That is a version if if James Harden is going to be athletically below his prime, that's a style of play I think you want him playing
1: i I really think that the point you just made about him getting the switch and using the step back to lull the Raptors to sleep Maxi probably had about six to eight points off that yeah. Tobias at least hit one three yep. off of that where yeah he does his little dance where he keeps dribbling the ball through his legs and by the way that really is the basketball equivalent of putting somebody into a oh, yeah and, and you just you fall asleep, and your eyes are on him and the ball. It's it's like the pendulum swinging back and forth, and him rifling a pass because, you know, Doc, Doc said it after the game, Harden will do that, and Tobias will be standing in the corner.
3: The guy's wide open, yeah, wide open, yeah. So and like bad, the bad version of James Harden will be the one against that he played against the Nets, where he won't be doing that. He will be pounding the ball, trying to get those drives, trying to get those fouls, getting frustrated and double doubling down on it. Well, he had, I think, just enough drives to the basket to make defenders concerned that he might drive to the basket, but not too much where he was dominating the ball and getting the Sixers out of their offense. That that, Like I said, that is the ver- if James Harden is not going to have the burst that he had three or four years ago, that is a style of play that I think he needs to play.
1: I also feel like, especially early on, Embiid got offensive rebounds off of his drive where Harden drew Embiid's man. And yeah, he probably still should have made the layup because... It's, know, it's like I swear and, and one OB. day
3: he is going to make those left-handed layups. I don't know it's what's crazy.
1: happening. Yeah, he just has no touch on him. And so so I thought his burst was actually, it was probably in between. It was probably in between the the Minnesota when he first started here. But I also think it looked better than it did the last week of the season. But yeah, his, his pop around the rim is just not, it's not great. Um, he had a, He had a really key stretch, I thought, in the third quarter where yep. things started to get stagnant. He goes step back three, he goes driving layup, he made and one, lefty Maxie. layup, and then he makes the great pass yeah. to Maxi. where that's look, that's the type of stuff stars do. They they silence runs when when your team is the other team's making a push, which is gonna happen pretty much every game in the playoffs. So yeah, good game for Harden. Obviously nice when the step back's going in. Yeah, you know, that's that's a big deal. So I, I thought he was uh Yeah, a little bit of a weird game, but Overall, a, a pretty big positive. All right. I guess we're, we're bearing the lead here 20 minutes in. Whew. Maxie.
3: It's just like him. So, like, he pulls up from 30. And look, there was, I think he was going for a two for one there at the end of the third quarter. But just the fact that, like, that shot looks so fucking normal for him. Like, that's just, oh, Tyrese Maxi's pulling up from 30. It just, it blows my mind every time it happens. He made, I, I mean, look his touch around the rim, his speed, and now his ability to shoot from legitimately anywhere on the court. I, I don't that he 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 might end up being the Sixers leading like obviously he's 38 for the game. It's a good start. He he's might their leading end up, scorer now. He, well, He is now. That's true. He might be like when this, the series ends though, like even if it goes 6 or 7 games, he might end up being the Sixers leading scorer because they just do not have a good way to defend him right now. Uh and he is playing with so much confidence and he has so many different ways to attack. He's just really fucking good. I, I don't know. I don't have anything super insightful to say. He's just really fucking good, Rich.
1: It's cool when he does this thing where he scores all the points in yes, like two minutes. Yes. It's really cool. I That's all I have for him.
3: How many did he have in the third quarter?
1: You know, I don't know. Probably in the 20s, though. I think it, I was, think it might have been
3: 21. I feel like I remember 21.
1: Yeah. Just, just insane. And it really... The, the crowd's anticipation when he gets the ball is... I mean, it's bordering on comical levels. I I said it's like an N one street ball thing, where like the you know the guy's isolating and about to throw the ball through the guy's legs or off the guy's head. Like it's unbelievable. They're just anticipating this kid getting a bucket in an NBA playoff game. It's it's awesome. I so one little negative. I do think the Raptors did a very good job of picking on him defensively for times. I think the the Van Vleet screening for Siakam in particular. Even that's Barnes, like it,
3: Barnes, had a post up real early ugh. in the game where he didn't have a chance. Yeah.
1: So he gave some of those points back, and that's that's something I wonder. The Sixers were switching pretty liberally yesterday, yep. and I I actually thought, despite the fact that they got lit up a little bit offensively, I thought it looked good for some stretches. You know, they they weren't bungling switches by any means, which was good. That's it's a big part of it. Um, yeah, but Maxi just awesome performance, and I will say if. If they continue to show this much attention to Embiid and Harden, they're going to find him, and he's going to still score a lot of points. That's just that's how it's going to be.
3: Yeah, I mean that's and and looking back, it was 21 points on eight shots in that third quarter. Pretty Played good. all 12 minutes. Um, he got a lot of points off of you know James Harden's guy or James Harden has the ball, his guy's just shading a little bit, and Tyrese Maxey catches it and he's shot out of a cannon, uh, and Toronto has no chance to recover. We always said like if he's just a respectable jump shooter, he's he's too fast to keep out of the paint. Well, he's way more than a respectable jump shooter. Oh right my now. god! From the corner,
1: if he gets a catch and shoot from the corner, that is that's like an eighty seven percent shot yeah. right
3: now. Yeah, yeah, it, def- it definitely feels like it. Um, I, 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 yeah, I don't, I don't know how they defend him while still defending Embiid, and if Harden's playing even remotely well, he's he's gonna feast. He's just gonna feast. I don't. I, truthfully don't know what to say he's developed so much as a shooter that it blows my mind it legitimately blows my mind it's
1: an amazing combination okay your boy tobias harris
3: i mean i thought he was maybe the key to the the game if toronto's strategy is going to work they need to be able to abandon those corners and with danny green and danny green didn't make any shots um did he make a shot he might have been like one for six or something but with danny Green not making many shots and to buy, uh Batiste Leibel not playing very much, Tobias Harris coming out and making a couple of corner threes early, being decisive, really, I thought, set the tone pretty well. And he had a couple of early clock post-ups, which worked. He played a very, and again, he's not going to get the shots he used to get. But with the way that he attacked, and against that team, like five three-pointers is a pretty good number. Like, he's not going to get the seven or eight, because they do recover pretty well. But he took the shots that were open, and he made them, and I thought that was key. Um, it he, he played exceptional. It was honestly one of the best playoff games I've ever seen to Tobias Harris play. Exceptional. He,
1: yeah. He was good. Well, and the, the other thing I would say, too, he's very much in that maxi role where he's on the weak side, and yeah. Harden and Embiid are going to give him advantages. This is a team where, yeah, he can get some of those shots, but because of all the crazy rotating they do, sometimes it's worthwhile to pass up one of those shots because if you drive and get by the first guy, you might get a dunk. Yeah. Yeah. And I I just thought he was really good. I, you know, Siakam had a decent game, but I thought his activity level on him was really good for the most part. You know, if you're, if you're making him work that hard on the offensive end, I thought, you know, even some of the shots he made, it was like really kind of tough fadeaways. And like we said, Pascal's a better player than he was in 2019 over a series. I think you might win some games if he keeps taking some of those shots, though. So yeah, it's a uh, it, very good performance from the Sixers' top four guys. And Tobias, he gets lost a little bit in the shuffle, but that was look—he doesn't need to be that good most no. most nights. But he was, yeah, he was excellent. Just a again from from those guys, maybe outside of Harden and Embiid shooting. Just a super clean game from yeah. all those guys. And if you play clean basketball against these guys, you're going to win. Because they're they're gonna prey on your mistakes, and the Sixers made none of them. Be ball, Paul.
3: I look. If there's, I have one regret from last night. It's the fact that Tobias didn't make that layup when Paul made that great pass. Because I thought Paul needed that high. He, he deserved that highlight for what he's been through.
1: It was amazing when, <laughs> when he starts to post up. You're like, oh man, this is going <laughs> up. Like this guy's got this guy's got blinders on. He's got no passing vision. Because if you've watched, I mean, like. Like we've discussed, Paul Reed hasn't played a lot over the season. But I remember a game very. It was very what are you early. Talking the season. about
3: he he he's who they play against small lineups. It's just no. that's the reality no 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 what, no no no
1: no no no. This
3: was back. When, <laughs> this was back more than a week ago.
1: No, this is like the second week of the season when they really didn't have any bodies and they were sitting Embiid for a time. Paul Reed would get into the game, and he would get an offensive rebound, and he would automatically bring it up, like go up with it against five guys and that i think that was clearly a coaching point from the sixers hey man great rebound unless it's like an easy dunk for you kick it back out you know <laughs> let's let's these guys are better than you we can get a better shot from them so you know when he when he gets the late possession post up where he actually has to probably shoot that and instead just drops a great dime to tobias yeah what was it
3: was a behind the back bounce pass
1: yeah he was uh he was good, and uh, honestly, I, he, just, he played with a lot of energy. I don't even think it was it was mostly him for the most part. No. But it just I, I just think it's such a boost when the Sixers play and, and B goes to the bench, and it doesn't matter. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7, U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a
2: real person anytime, day, or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a
1: real human in customer service any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service that you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card.
3: I thought one thing, you know, in the, especially in the first half, it felt like they put B-Ball Paul out there with three or four starters most of the time. And yeah. I thought having Harden and Maxi out there really limited what they needed him to do. And look, I could sit here and go through every one of um, Paul Reed's defensive possessions and probably nitpick some of them. He made some mistakes, but he made plays too. And that's what you weren't getting with the other guy. He would make mistakes, but he wouldn't make he wouldn't any make plays. plays. Yeah. So yes, is Paul Reed going to be perfect? No, in part because Paul Reed is not yet at that stage of his career where he is going to make all the right decisions, in part because his aggressiveness is going to occasionally put him out of position, and in part because he just hasn't played very much NBA basketball, but he will also make plays. And against these guys, against the Raptors, oh, it was just nice. I mean, look, we were pretty confident Paul Reed was going to play as a backup center, but you never really know. Like, that could surprise you. And when Paul Reed walked out there late in the first quarter, or was it early second? I think it was late in the first. Yeah, I'm pretty sure it was late in the first. It was a huge sigh of relief because, quite frankly, I'm just sick of watching DeAndre Jordan not move on defense. And it, Paul Reed gave them energy. Like I said, he made some plays, made some mistakes, and that's okay. And you know what? At the end of the night, what were they? Plus four in Paul Reed's 11 minutes. They didn't get destroyed. They didn't die in the 11 minutes that Joel Embiid sat on the bench. And that's huge. Like when you start talking about, you know, there's a spot in the third quarter where I think the Raptors trimmed to lead to like 12 or 13. And then that Harden and Maxi run came. But if that doesn't happen, let's say Harden misses a step back, a shot doesn't go in, Paul Reed comes in or DeAndre Jordan in this hypothetical, and Toronto goes on a run, that could have been a different game. Yeah. Uh, and just not dying in a four to five minute stretch does not seem like it should be cause for celebration. We should not be having a backup center victory tour, but we are because it's been so freaking long. Like I saw someone on Twitter being like, man, Philly media loves talking about two things, backup quarterbacks and backup centers. Well, the difference is that this guy can play eight minutes a game and cost them the series. And we've seen it before. It's a little different of a, of a, but there's a lot the ba- of backup center PTSD. And for good freaking reason. And we didn't have to experience it last night. The backup,
1: it's just not even the same thing, though. The The backup quarterback discussion is stupid because that's because you're mad that your play. shitty starting quarterbacks yeah. playing. Yeah. But the backup is shitty. No, no. This is just about being mad that your backup who has to play is crappy. Yeah, it's I, I said the game op should have put it up on the scoreboard. Paul Reed plus one in five minutes. And, you know, there are already B-ball Paul chance there. They, he would have gotten a, a standing ovation for that. And yeah, I think you put it right. Mistakes, but also positive plays. Like there was one play where he let Ken Birch get over his head for an alley oop, but there was another play where he blocked somebody on a drive and ran down the floor. And yeah, I I just like look. I think that's that's all you need from Paul Reed. I'm not sure it's going to be great every night, but hey, if the aggregate is somewhere around even, the Sixers are more in business than we thought.
3: I agree. And look, I don't think Paul Paul Reed was perfect. Last night, I don't think he's going to be good every night. But you have a chance <laughs> with the other guy. You didn't have a chance to have a good game for him. Like, I don't mean to be that mean. DeAndre Jordan's had a good career. He's made a lot of money. He's made an All NBA team. He's made All Star game. Did he make an All Star game? Mm. I don't know. I know he's made at least one All NBA team. That'd be he's c- he was first team All NBA. If he didn't yeah. make an All Star game with that, that's
1: pretty wild.
3: He's I'll had a real up. good career.
1: Why, why you say this? We're, why you uh, trash him? Go ahead.
3: Oh, I look, it's just he's not capable now. And it's nothing against him personally. It's just he can't step foot on the court.
1: He did make an all-star game. Okay. But not in the same season he was first-team all-NBA. That's weird. That is weird. Uh,
3: okay, I think
1: that's about it. I think very positive start. But, you know, these series can change quickly. So
3: Positive start, I expect it to get tougher. But good news is, like, if Toronto was going to win this series, stealing one of these two games in Philadelphia was key.
1: All you needs one. You, now.
3: You're you're halfway to to shoring that up. That was as good of a opening game as as you could hope for for sure.
1: And also, I mean, I, I guess we should mention this too before we go. Joel, that, that was a freak accident, but Scotty Barnes, that sucks. Uh, yeah, yeah. And that's you know, from the Sixer standpoint, him being out like. Yeah, it's gonna help them. That guy's a good player, and they're they're not a particularly deep team either. But it's certainly not. The I way think you what X rays
3: were negative, but it, if there's not like a sprain there or something like, that looked real bad when it happened, real bad.
1: Yeah, and the fact that he couldn't move either too. Yeah. When I think by all accounts he's one of the toughest guys going. Like he'll play through, even I wouldn't even say mild injuries, like average injuries yeah. <laughs> that people have. Yeah, it's not a great sign. So that sucks, and on it's a very unfortunate way for that to happen. It's, it's probably gonna help the Sixers though, for being honest.
3: Oh, it, Which it, it definitely would. It definitely would. Um, brings he is me a, no joy to say. Yep. Yep. Real good player. Incredible rookie season. Um, will be fun watching him. I honestly, I hope, I hope it's, I hope he's able to come back. Um, but it, it did look bad. And like and he you played said, really he, well yesterday too, he offensively. He did, so. but he needed a lot of help to get off the court. Uh, it looked like he was in a lot of pain. He was down for quite a while and just watching the replay. Like if, a 300 pound guy steps on your foot like that when you're trying to move bad things tend to happen. So hoping for the best would help the Sixers. Um, but that's not necessarily where you want the Sixers to get their advantage. I hope he can, hope nope. he can finish that out. Cool. So we will, right. uh, have another one here, uh, tomorrow. Thanks for jumping on rich. And we will talk to you very soon.
1: See you, man.